Hello, and welcome to A Fit and Able Life, episode lucky number seven. Today we have Dennis Metzler. Dennis is a sports physical therapist at Exos at Raleigh Orthopedic. He, he runs the Cary facility, which is located at O2. I think you're going to like this episode, not only because what Dennis has to teach you about injuries and athletic performance, but also because you're going to see how he really does care about the people he works with and how their success and their story. So uh, without further ado, here we go. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. We were here at Exos Raleigh Orthopedic here in Cary. Uh, thank you again for meeting us this evening. No problem. Glad to have you. Um, we always like to start out with you sort of introducing yourself and sort of telling us a little bit about your history and how you came to be with Exos. Uh, well, I'm a physical therapist. I've been in North Carolina since 2006. Uh, I've worked with Raleigh Orthopedics and eventually Exos since I've been here. Uh, was just had a great name when I got here, so was looking to get in with some good people and was lucky enough to do so. Um, and I work with athletes or uh, the general population or whoever needs to get better. Uh, our facility is really geared towards athletes, but uh, that doesn't mean you need to be running around uh, and you know running 26 miles to be in here. That's for sure. Well, I think that's a, an excellent point because people always think of athletes are people that are going to the Olympics. Right. <laughs> but actually, anybody that is moving is essentially being athletic. Absolutely. Um, you know, we kind of think of it as human movement, um, and athletes just take human movement to the next level. Right. Uh, but every person that comes in to see me is, uh, in my concept, an athlete. Uh, because they need to be able to move efficiently in order to be pain-free and healthy and sustain that for a long period of time. Right. Uh, so the term athlete sometimes is a little more pigeonholing than we'd like it to be. So we don't have that term in our title anymore. We're Exos at Raleigh Orthopedics. Uh, in a past life, the facility was called Athletes Performance. Uh, and I think that scared some people away because they felt like they needed to be competitive on some level to be here, but that's certainly not the case. Well, and I, I really like that concept. I, I've known of Raleigh Orthopedics for a long time, 20 years. What does EXOS actually mean? What does that stand for? Uh, we get that question a lot. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not an acronym. It doesn't stand for anything, um, but it really kind of, there's a couple different incarnations of what this means. I like the X's and O's of daily life. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like planning out your life and uh, there's really four pillars that we use to plan the X's and O's uh, of life out. It's the sort of framework that we work off of just to know where we're going with people and how to get them better. Uh, movement is huge and people are starting to understand how important movement is in their life and mm -hmm. not sitting around all day. Um, mindset is huge. Uh, as we alluded to in our talk a little while ago, mindset has a big impact on how you're doing your stuff, are you going to do your stuff, is there any reason you can't do your things that you want to do in order to stay fit and able. Right. Um, oh, I like how you put that in there. Nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, recovery is the third pillar, and then nutrition is the fourth pillar, uh, because you can lose a lot of the good things that you do for your body if you're not nutritionally sound. Right. That's for sure. No, I don't feel comfortable talking to uh, the folks that participate in my programs about nutrition because I'm not an expert. And as, as you had said yourself, you know, it's, it's a, it is a science, actually. Nutrition is a science. So what do you do when people ask you specifically about nutrition questions? Well, I, like you, am not an expert in nutrition. <laughs> I know enough to know where to go with it. Uh, but here at Exos, we, we have nutritionists on staff. So that's the facility or the resource I use. Uh, that person spends their life 
deciding how to do this stuff. Yeah. Because um, it, it makes things so much more effective when you fuel the body the right way and give it the fuel that it needs at the right time to make it the most effective. Because mm -hmm. um, it's not just taking it, it's when do you take it? Because if the body metabolizes it before it can be used, you don't get anything out of it. Right. Well, I think that's a, that's an excellent, excellent point. Now, so the mission of Exos, well, I would tell you, take it away from Exos a little bit. Your personal mission as a physical therapist, what is that to do to help people improve their movement, help them improve their performance? It's movement first. It's more about just making them happy in whatever endeavor they choose to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm lucky enough because I want to be in a facility that deals with a lot of athletes to be in a facility that does, but by no means are all the people that I see athletes as far as what most people would quote unquote call an athlete. Most yeah. people that I see are normal day to day, you know, you and me. Right. Um, the most common people I see are the recreational athletes, the endurance athletes, runners, cyclists, that type of stuff, triathletes. Uh, but we do see a fair amount of, uh, a lot of high school, fair amount of college, a good amount of, uh, professional elite athletes as well. Right. So are the, are the injury, the types of injuries that you see in um, a more recreational athlete different than, say, a, a high school or collegiate athlete? Uh, they're different in the, the nature of the sport that they're doing. You know, mm -hmm. the recreational endurance athlete is typically more of an overuse problem. They just do the same thing too much, mm -hmm. um, and something breaks down over time. Uh, the other athletes, high school, college, elite athletes, are typically more in uh, some kind of combat sport where there's right. body contact, there's more traumatic injuries like that. I've never heard uh, it called a combat sport before. That makes so, <laughs> you know, I guess the combat sport is really the boxing and the MMA stuff, which we actually do see a lot of MMA guys. Uh, but, you know, basketball, soccer, football, a lot of collisions where there's more traumatic injuries. Um, but even in those sports, you get some overuse. Throwers, baseball, for example, a lot of overuse injuries, shoulders, elbows. Right. Um, so it's it's varied, but you can kind of figure out what it'll probably be based on the sport, whether it's a trauma versus an overuse. Right. Now, what would you what would you tell somebody that they have a tweak, and you know, is a tweak an injury or is a tweak a soreness from a workout? How do you how do you separate that and and distinguish between those two things? Uh, sometimes it's pretty easy. Sometimes it's hard. I always smile at the, they do it on football a lot where they, they, the, the commentators, the ex players will be like, is he injured or is he hurt? Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's sort of a jargony type of thing in that situation. But, uh, if someone's tweaked and they have something going on, it's to me, is it impacting the way they perform and their ability to perform? Mm -hmm. um, cause if you try to quote unquote play through it, um, and you're doing things differently, you're probably putting other structures at risk or the structure that's causing you to compensate to be even more injured. Um, so uh, some signs you look for are swelling, localization of pain, where is it, how bad is it, you right. know, those types of things. Right. Um, soreness should be the soreness that we're all used to it from going to the gym for the first time in a while. That's okay soreness. Right. Soreness that's you know in the wrong place, i.e. a joint, um, or very localized within a muscle that doesn't go away within an appropriate amount of time uh, is the things that we're looking for. Well, when you hear somebody say, walk it off, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean to you and is that well, helpful? <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes you just have to walk it off. There's really nothing injured. You just got to 
you know, rub some dirt on it is the other thing. You know, get hit, you get beamed in baseball. Sometimes I've been so injured, I'd have to walk a marathon to walk to it walk off. To walk it off, right? Give me four days not to walk it off. <laughs> uh, but sometimes that's okay. You know, the, the rubbing and the walking, it's, it's facilitating the nervous system and maybe quieting down some over input that the nervous system is getting from whatever little incident you just had. Right. Uh, but very quickly, you can tell whether or not someone's going to be able to walk it off. Um, if it's, if they can't, you know, get back to normal mechanics pretty quickly and do the things that they need to be doing for that endeavor or that, that athletic uh, com competitive movement, then you got to get them out of there. Right. So basically if somebody's a runner and they're not on a team and they feel some sort of like in their shin or what, whatever, you know, what would you advise them to do for that specific kind of tweak? I'm just saying. You the shin splint type shin of thing? Splint, or, yeah, shin splint type uh, of thing. It, it depends on where it's coming from, which mm -hmm. is why we evaluate everybody because it doesn't always come from the same place. Mm -hmm. um, typically, it's a combination of ankle flexibility and hip flexibility issues. Um, so you'd have to figure out which one of those is impacting it more uh, because the, the, the leg is a chain. You know, when that foot hits the ground, a whole chain of events happens as that foot pronates and the toes come to the ground and the knee comes from being straight to being bent, back to being straight. Right. Um, if you don't have control of those joints as it happens, that's where we need to, to improve things. Yeah, and I would think a lay person um, would not think of a shin splint as going as high up to their hip to think something could be going wrong. You know, I think they, right. think, they think, well, I can see the ankle. Or <laughs> Sometimes it's even not. They just want to get the spot. Like, why is this spot hurt? <laughs> and, I mean, you need to treat that spot to get right. the symptom gone. There's an, there's an inflammation there. That's why they feel it there. Uh, but the cause is somewhere else down the road. You know, it's up down to the ankle or up to the hip. Um, sometimes all the way to the lower back, maybe even beyond that. So right. it's hard to say sometimes if it's one thing or a combination of many things, because most of the time it's a combination. Now, generally, when you're treating somebody for injury as opposed to for enhanced performance, which I know you do both uh, right. of those things, um, but real quickly, generally, what is the, uh, the course of treatment? Is it like four weeks, six weeks, or it just depends on the nature, the severity of the injury or whatever? Yeah, it depends. It's, it's <clears throat> very variable. Um, it, you know, sometimes I can get people better in a session or two, mm -hmm. and they're back to some sort of baseline that we would say, okay, you're ready to go to the performance side of things. Right. Um, you know, four to six weeks is probably a good generalization for most things, uh, but some, a lot of things extend past that. So, and the other thing that, that will have a big impact on that is how long did people sort of push through it mm -hmm. before they got to me? Right. Uh, the longer they ingrained whatever things were going wrong, the sometimes and oftentimes the longer it takes to get them straightened out. Right. Wow, so. that makes sense indeed. Um, do you have um, do you have situations where somebody you know requires surgery or something where you you find out well there's something more dramatic that's happening here? Absolutely, and that's you know we have access to twenty plus surgeons and doctors at our facility. Uh, so we can get people in to do that if they need it. But yeah, there's, there's a, there's, you have a kind of a timing in your head when you evaluate someone, All right, this should go this long and they should be seeing significant right, gains. Right. And if you start to see it move from those expectations, you probably want to get help and be like, hey, am I missing something here? Is there some underlying cause that I can't get to um, that's not going to allow this to get better? Right. It certainly happens. Yeah. Um, we're trained to look for those signs. What are the red flags? Uh, you know, I should say, what are the yellow flags? Because if people have red flags coming in, certain signs or symptoms that is beyond physical therapy, 
I send them right away. Say, this isn't going to get better with me. You need to go make sure that we're not missing something more sinister here. Right. Well, speaking of flags, do you ever have clients that throw, uh, wave the white flag saying, I give up. I don't want to do this. <laughs> we get that. Um, I get that far less where I'm at, uh-huh. which is kind of where I am, where, why I really like what I'm doing. Our motivation, our motivation level with our population is very high. Um, uh, typically, at a lot of other facilities, you'll be arguing with people or not arguing, uh, <laughs> working with people and pushing them a little, <laughs> coaxing them to try to do their exercises. Right. Get it done. You got to do this. You got to do this. More often, or probably at least as often here, I'm have to pull people back. Hmm. You can't run that much. You can't do that exercise that much. You need to stop and wait because people that come to our facility are re- typically very motivated. I got to get back. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I want to do this. I have this thing that I signed up for. I have this event coming up. Um, There's the, nothing more motivating than losing an entry. <laughs> I've already paid for this. I've already paid for yes, this. Yes, uh, I deal with that all the time. Um, and sometimes we can get it done. And you have to, sometimes you have to have the conversation of, you know, is this the seventh game of the World Series or is this not the seventh game of the World Series? Right. Uh, because timing and importance of things is, is a factor, no matter how much you don't want it to be. It's okay, this is a once-in-a-lifetime event we're going to push you a little harder to get there than we might otherwise. Right. Um, so that's, people tend to understand those things when you talk about, talk about it on that level. Well, I, I, know, I know people that have come here for the physical therapy and, and the assistance with recovery, but I also know a lot of athletes that have come through for performance enhancement. If you were to name a few things that you would work with an athlete that is not injured, but they're just wanting to come and be better, stronger, faster, Sure. Whatever. What, what are the two or three, four things that you might work with it with an athlete to have that happen for them? Well, what we do is we treat it very much like the physical therapy side. We evaluate them from the start and mm-hmm. de- decide what are their, where are their weaknesses? What are they hiding? Where's their flexibility? Where's their core stability lacking? Uh, and we target each individual, target the exercises for that individual. So if they have flexibility issues, that's where we would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also sort of doing it that way allows us to treat people in a group but individualize within that group at the same time mm-hmm. because we'll do an evaluative process in the beginning and feel like, all right, these three need to prioritize flexibility. These, this guy needs some stability through his shoulder. This guy needs some stability through his hip or ankle. And then at certain phases of the program, they'll do certain things for those target areas. Um, so each person gets those mm, concepts figured out in the start of it and right. then we say all right through the process we're going to work on those things and at some point you'll have to reevaluate and say have they changed um, do we need to work on different things have there ever been and this is always a hard question for um for folks have there ever been uh, an athlete somebody where you just could not make progress with them and 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 i have to ask you is it typically a mental issue with the athlete when you can't make progress with athletic performance uh, hard to say. I mean, there's it's varied the reasons why it would be that way. We've certainly run into that. You know, nothing, if anyone ever tells you they're perfect at getting everything done they ever want to do, they're probably lying to you or misunderstanding what success is. Um, some people just don't get better. Uh, that happens to be far more on the injury side than it does on the performance side. Uh, people that typically come to us are very motivated, like I was saying, especially on the performance side. Um, so, we do metrics along the way, you know, vertical jump, power toss, something like that, that would tell us, are you getting better? Uh, and if they're not, well, then it's on us to change the program and say, what, what are we not quite doing? Right. Uh, but to get back to your point of mindset, that type of stuff, that, that's a factor. 
Um, if we think there's ancillary or other factors like that that are holding us back, we would try to bring them to the right professional to take care of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, sports psychologists, for example, there's several in the area, one in particular that we've worked with that's, um, if you can't get them in the right mindset, you're gonna be uh, stifled in the progress you can make, that's for sure. Right, so you work hand in hand with each other with that, or is it sort of a separate kind of, you treat that, we'll treat this? It's a little bit more like that. We don't have them in-house, mm -hmm. um, but we will certainly collaborate, say here's what we've seen, here's what our concerns are. Right. Uh, but those are things that you know, should be dealt with with some uh, privacy. You know, the, they're not going to talk to us about the things that they talk one-on-one -on -one with that client about. But we, as professionals, we can help that process and get the, the psychologist maybe a little further along than they might be if they just met on the street. Right. Well, that makes, sense. that makes good sense. Well, I know you have many, many success stories. Can you pick a few that you feel like, wow, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to work with that person? Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> you're right. Each, uh, well... Everyone doesn't succeed. Like I said, we don't help everybody, uh, but we get a lot of success stories. Um, there's one I had recently. It was back to that motivation of the race, and I want to get to this race, and I'm breaking down in my, during my training. It was a uh, gentleman training for the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, Great which race. Is, <laughs> every time people talk about it, they just are floored by how amazing that race is. So It is terrific. I've had family members and friends that have done it, and they rave about it. I haven't had the luxury myself to get up there, but I still would like to. Uh, but he was training for his son, um, who passed away, mm. uh, service to our country. Wow. And he was highly motivated because of that, and we got him through it, and it's, it's amazing. That's probably, <laughs> <so> why, <laughs> probably why that, the end of that race is so amazing, and yeah. the race is similar to it because of the emotion that's tied to it. It's, right. it's amazing. So, well, that is a tremendous success story. Yeah. They can tell it's, it's, it affected your heart yeah. there a little bit, I'm too. I'm a sap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sap's good. That yeah. It allows you to really care about what you're doing. Well, to you, I mean, you alluded to being fit and able earlier. And what, what is your definition of fit and able? Uh, it's hard to describe beyond the title because you guys have nailed the title very well. Because, <laughs> um, it's, it, it describes what you guys are striving for. Uh, but to me, fit and able is you can... Be happy and productive in your life uh, and sustain that. Uh, sustainability is big because anyone can do anything for a short period of time, but if you're not identifying why you might be breaking down, you're probably going to break down at some point. Right. Um, so if you're fit and able on the right level, mm -hmm. you'll be able to sustain that for a long time, whether that's running, whether that's raising your kids, whether that's, you know, working in a hospital. I don't know what that is, but if you're happy with what you're doing and you can sustain that, that's success to me. Um, and I can read that when people come in the door. You know, they got a smile on their face. They've, they're doing some things that they weren't doing before. Right. They will, they will let you know. And if you're not seeing that at some point, then you probably got to start asking, like, what are we missing here? Are you, are we really, I, I say it all the time to my clients, hey, bottom line it for me. Are we, are we getting you where you need to go? Um, and oftentimes that either makes them understand we're not or it makes them understand we are because some people get caught up on some nuance of things sometimes and they're really dwelling on that. I'm like, wait, think about where you were a month ago. Are we getting you to where you want to go? And they'll be like, yeah, you know what, we are. I've right. still got this thing that isn't right, but I'm way better than I was. We just keep that ship moving down that river and we get there. Yeah, it, I mean, it really, progress, just as long as you're making progress is so important. Yeah. And especially, and that's, it really reinforces 
the um, it really reinforces the motivation in the athlete, just even to see a little bit of improvement. Right. Well, obviously, seeing you today and other times um, do, testing athletes, checking t- athletes out, and uh, demonstrating the drills and things like that, you're clearly very fit. Has there ever been a time in your life where you have not been fit and not been able to do what you want to do? Uh, I've been pretty lucky, so I haven't had a lot of trouble. A lot of people get into PT because they had trouble when they were younger doing some (laughs) athletic event or something, and they're like, hey, this is pretty cool. Um, And if they can't, you know, make it to the promised land in that sport, they end up falling back on PT. I haven't had that, so I'm lucky. Uh, The the first thing that comes to mind is way back. uh, I was a baseball player forever. It's the only thing I thought of until I was 20. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I had stitches in my knee when I was 10 and couldn't play. Wow. Um, and it was devastating to me. Like anything, when you're 10 years old, it's the end of your world at that point. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that took us away from small star tournament. And uh, funny story after that, I had to uh, put some, my buddy who was a little bit of a hothead, especially when he was younger, got thrown out of the game. We didn't have any extra players. I had to put his pants on with my bum knee <laughs> and go play second base during the last inning so we could have enough players on the field. Uh, I still talk to him about that when I see him all the time. Hilarious. Well, that is, that's funny. So obviously then you found another route around being unable to do what you want to do. Have you done other sports other than baseball? I mean. Yeah. Uh, I, through high school, I'm old now, like a lot of other people. Back in the day, we'd play three different sports. You know, when you went to high school, I also went to a small school. So it helped that we needed people to do it. But, um, <laughs> I played baseball the most, but I played football and I played volleyball as well. So it was, I was lucky to be in a situation where I could do that. Also sports that can be challenging for your knees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you got um, against your knees? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they stay good. I'm, I'm knock on wood, right? Yeah, right here. All, that squats, those are pretty good squats. That's really <laughs> Well, I say to my clients all the time, I can demonstrate anything once or twice because <laughs> uh, I have to be able to show them what to do. So make me do it a bunch of times, something might fall apart. But uh, it, it's a lot more believable if people see that I can do it like hey you can do that I should be able to do that too pretty motivating too when you can uh, show the young guys what hey you should be able to do this yeah I, I say that listen I'm an older lady if I can do it you should be able to do That's this right. <laughs> absolutely power in that well obviously you have a very academic side to what you do mm-hmm. and uh, it's because it is a science it's um, and you're an educator as well Absolutely. And I think folks forget that the practitioners are also, if they're doing their job, they're educating. And, and so people are able to understand exactly what's happening to them and what they're doing. And it, clearly you're wonderful at that because you keep people captivated. Um, but if people are not able to come in here, what resources would you uh, invite them to seek out? You know, books or, you know, what, would, what resources are available that you think would be a good resource for a lay person to use. There's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, you've been on the internet, right? You can yeah. lose five hours in a second just looking <laughs> up one topic. Um, I don't use a ton of that for my clients because the reason I do is, I, the reason I hesitate to is because, um, I, or, actually, let me rephrase that. I don't use a lot of that for people that say, hey, what should I do about this? Because you can get yourself in trouble that way too. If you mm-hmm. don't, if you pick something that isn't quite right for you, um, you might be reinforcing a bad habit. Um, so the biggest resource I always tell people is find the right professional to identify what's not right. Get to a physical therapist, get to a chiropractor, get to a massage therapist, get to somebody that says, has some education to help you figure out uh, what it is. Um, 
if you end up doing the wrong thing, like I said, you're, you could get yourself in more trouble than, than it's worth. Right. Uh, people do that all the time. Like, hey, I showed the exercises you showed me to my friend who has a knee problem too. And I'm like, uh, it might not be right. Depending on what the knee problem is, um, it might not be the right exercise for them. Right. So well, and this instruction is paraphrasing, so yeah. <laughs> it well, might not be the right instruction. Lord knows what people turn stuff into. <laughs> I give people an exercise program almost every time that they, that they see me, especially the first time. Uh, and you kind of quiz them without quizzing them when they come back. Can you show me that exercise. And I'm like, I showed you that. Like it turns into something like, no, no, no. Turn, put this leg there, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember now. Um, so I've seen some hilarious things. I'm like, I didn't show you that. So you just correct them and go on the way. Well, that's you, I, honestly, you, you care so much about your athletes, and um, and, and it re- really shows in everything you do. You know, is there any just one single piece of advice that you can have? I mean, if just somebody's listening to this, what, if you give them one single piece of advice to walk away with, what would that be? Uh, well, it's kind of the motto that I've tried to live by: do it now. You know, do it now. That someone said that to me at one point in some presentation, along with a big list of other things that were supposed to make me better, and somehow do it now stuck out. Maybe I was a procrastinator or something. But um, if it, whether it's working out, whether it's you know changing your job, changing your career, the more time you let pass, the harder those things are going to be, the worse they're going to develop. Do it now. Right. You know, don't don't wait. No right. reason to wait. That's very cool. Well, thank you, Dennis, so much for your time. Both with our athletes and with me this evening. No problem. Very happy to do it. (laughs) I really hope you enjoy the interview. You know, athletes are inspired by great coaches, but it's really something special when the coach or the trainer or whoever is inspired by the athlete. And I think we saw an instance of this here with Dennis. And I think his one big takeaway of do it now, that is so important. And it's something I know I work on all the time. Not that I'm a big procrastinator, but, you know, there's always – so many things in the day, so many important things, so many conflicting things. It's really important to keep that in mind, to, to do things now. There's no reason to wait. Anyway, again, uh, there's a free link to your ebook, 101 Healthy Fitness Tips, uh, below the show notes. And again, thank you for listening to A Fit Enable Life, and we will see you next week.